0: God is not holding tryouts or auditions to see who it is that makes his team. He is looking for those who will be obedient. That is the only prerequisite to being used by God. Welcome to King Me Ministries podcast. Today I want to spend some time considering who it is that God chooses to use. I'm not sure if that question has ever crossed your mind, but for me personally, it's a question that I have wrestled with often. I want to be useful to God and His kingdom, and what are the prerequisites according to God and His Word to be chosen as an instrument for His glory and for the building of His kingdom? It's not always easy to be honest about our own stories. You know, I've read it before that says we all have chapters that we don't want to read out loud. But long ago, I decided that there was nothing about my own story that I would hide if I truly thought that God could use it to help other people. Many people have said that telling your story might just be what somebody else needs in order to navigate their own life's difficult seasons. When I entered seminary, I was scared to death that I didn't have what it would take to be there and to complete the work needed to graduate. I felt that I had to prove it to myself and to everyone else that I thought was looking at me. I worked hard and I was at the top of my class and I was elected session president by my peers. I was doing good. And then at the end of the first year, I got myself into some trouble and the leadership asked me to leave and then I wouldn't be allowed to return for two years. To complete my schooling, I went into seminary with two goals. I wanted to prove that I could hang academically and that I could be a leader among other leaders, and I accomplished both of those goals, but failed at what was important. That was a humbling experience and lesson that I had to learn. I learned that God was not looking for someone who could be better than those around Him, He didn't need me to prove to myself or to other people. That's just not how God picks a man to use. There's a Bible verse in 2 Chronicles chapter 16 that speaks to this. The Bible says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Think football-free safety. The job of that player is to keep his head on a swivel, to find the ball, and to move that way. That's exactly what God is doing according to this verse. God is actively looking, constantly looking for those who are sold out for him. Those that are not following him for fame or fortune, not those that add Jesus to their lives as an accessory. God is scanning the earth for those that are in love with him simply because of who he is and who will lay down their wants and desires for His. That is no small thing, to drop your dreams, your plans for your life, your rights, your revenge, and what you feel you're entitled to, and to say with your words and more importantly your deeds, God, not my will, but yours be done in my life. There are not many who are willing to do this, to lay down their entire lives and pick up a life that Jesus wants to live through them. But those are the exact people that God is looking for. Those are the people that he chooses to use. So I have this list in my head, and it's a list of men that I want to get to know in heaven. They're men of the Bible. Some would say that they're heroes of the faith. So I'm kind of a Bible nerd, so I'll keep my list short. How about Adam? Adam, what was it like to name all the animals beside God? Did any of them intimidate you? Which one was your favorite? Noah, how did you handle building an ark, this boat for a hundred solid years, day after day, in front of people who were thinking that maybe you spent just a little too much time in the sun? And Jacob, the Bible says you wrestled with God. What are his go-to moves? Is he a wrist lock or two? And Elijah, you faced 400 false prophets. Tell me, were you nervous? And David, oh, what a story. From a shepherd of a few of your dad's sheep to king of God's chosen people? And Peter, I can relate to your open mouth, insert foot lifestyle. One day bold for Jesus, another one hiding. Those are just a few of the men that I can't wait to get to know in heaven. But there is one guy who's on my list, and I dare say that he rarely makes anyone's list simply because there's just not much information about who he is, but he's always been at the top of mine. His name is Joseph. He's not the Joseph of the Old Testament, the one with the snazzy coat that his dad had made for him. This Joe, he's an average looking guy. He probably wasn't captain of his football team. He didn't date the prom queen. If you saw him around town today, he'd probably be be driving an eight-year-old pickup truck with ladders on the back and his company name on the door. Joseph's Carpentry. Call for a free quote. Just an average young man. The Bible says so little about him. But what I'm learning, though, is this, that there is nothing average about a man or a woman who's decided to be obedient. Hear that again. There's nothing ordinary or average about a man or woman who has determined to follow God, no matter what the personal cost is to themselves. So I'm telling you this now, after I kneel before the feet of Jesus, and after I kiss my mom and and hug my dad and squeeze the son that I lost, I'm going to find this man, Joseph, Because of all the men on the face of the earth, since the beginning of time until today, only one man was chosen by God to raise the Son of God, and it was Joseph, ordinary Joe, whom God entrusted to raise his son. And that's no small task. In fact, I can't think of a task equal to that of teaching the Son of God how to be a man. Jesus would learn how to treat women by the way he observed his earthly dad. He would learn how to speak and work, how to shave, how to save money, how he would handle conflict. Everything that a boy learns from his dad, Jesus would learn from Joseph. I mean, think about it. Imagine kneeling before Jesus' bedside with the task of teaching him how to pray. Talk about unqualified. My oldest son is 26 years old and he carries the same name that I have. And just today I was talking to him about his role in raising his own son who's just about a year and a half and absolutely the apple of his puppys eye. Can I just throw that in there? But I was saying to my son, I said, there's a ton of pressure on you and there's a lot to teach in this precious little time to get that young man ready to stand on his own in this world. For Joseph, That was a big job. There was only room for one man to be trusted with the job of raising Jesus and preparing him for all that he would see and all that he would accomplish. How was it that Joseph got chosen? How did God zero in on him as the earthly father to the son of God? Think of all the things that God has asked the men of old to do. Again, Noah, I want you to build a boat. I want you to build a boat nowhere near water And because it's going to rain, it's going to do something that it's never done before. I want you to do this under the constant mockery of those that are going to laugh at you. They're going to ridicule you. And Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you to lead my people out of slavery. Now, I know that Pharaoh still has a wanted poster up for you for the murder that you committed, but I want you to go. And Joshua, you're going to step into the shoes of this this renowned leader, Moses. And it's going to be you who leads the Israelites into the promised land. Get ready to fight some wars against some big, big giants. And David, leave those few sheep and come and build this nation of Israel with me, God says. And Jeremiah, hey, I want you to preach for 40 some years. And oh, by the way, not a single soul is going to be converted. All amazing things to be done. But does any of that compare with holding the son of God in your hands and raising him up to be a man? And we know so tragically little about this man. Other than placing him next to Mary and the baby Jesus in the nativity scene, what do you really know about this man Joseph? Strangely, we know very little. But here's what we do know. He's a carpenter. He's a blue-collar worker. He found the love of his life, Mary. And he's set to make her his wife. And we know that he finds out that his bride-to-be is pregnant and that it ain't his. And she's pushing some story that God is the one that made her pregnant. Now, that's a tough place for Joseph to find himself. The love of his life, who he's set to be married to and start a life with, she, she's pregnant and pregnant by someone other than him. And it must have seemed like she were lying, saying that God made her pregnant. That's not like it's happened before. This is something new. And so I can't imagine how his heart is feeling, how his head is just tormented. And yet the Bible says that Joseph is faithful to the law of God. And so instead of disgracing her as the law said he could have, the law stated that anyone caught breaking their marital vows, was to be stoned to death in public. But Joseph decides that he would divorce her quietly. He's going to let her and her family save face. He'd walk away quietly into the night. How many men do you know that have loved a woman, prepared a life for them together only to find out that she betrayed him, and they still want to honor her, and and they, and they choose to just cover up her her sin her iniquity and just kind of take it on the chin and just quietly fade away not many men i know would be willing to do that but it's clear that joseph is not just any other man and for joseph there's no hiding this people were going to know they were going to know what she did to him and there would be all kinds of talk behind his back they would mock him they would make fun of him but Joseph loved her, and he was true to God's word, so whatever it would cost him to protect her, he was going to pay it. And right in the middle of this painful situation, Joseph gets a visitor. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, telling him that what Mary was telling him was in fact the truth, and that he should not hesitate to take Mary to be his wife, and that he was to give that baby the name Jesus. And Joseph, as soon as the vision is received, he takes Mary to be his wife. And to honor both Mary and the plan of God, he doesn't know his wife intimately until after the child is born. And so, just as Joseph is preparing to be a husband and a dad, he gets word that he has to take a trip back to his hometown for some crazy census. Now we're talking a 70-mile journey on foot or on donkey. So we're looking at something between three to five days with a very pregnant wife. Now, as a father of three daughters, I know that young girls dream of their wedding day at a very young age. And I can also tell you this, that men do not have those same dreams, but men do envision how they think their life will go. And I, and I got to think that this was very different than Joseph had dreamed up. But the curveballs keep coming. After a brief visit from the Magi after the birth of Jesus, Joseph has another dream. And this dream is warning him to flee to Egypt immediately until those that wanted to kill Jesus were no longer a threat. And so Joseph obeys immediately and does what God has called him to do. The Bible is silent on how long they stayed in Egypt, just that after Herod died, God appeared to Joseph in a dream, instructing him to go back to Israel and to go to the area of Nazareth, and Joseph obeyed immediately. That's all we know about Joseph. We don't have any information on how long he lived, how he died, no mention of him beyond the little that we can know. That does not diminish the role he played in the story of Jesus' birth and life. What was it about this man that would catch God's attention as the man that would raise the son of God? God leaves Joseph's story uncolored, like in the outline in a coloring book. And I can't wait until the day when that picture, that story is colored in and I know some of those details. What was it about this man? The Bible says so little about his character, his makeup, We don't know about his temperament. We don't know if he was even a good carpenter. We don't know if he attended church regularly or if he gave money to the poor, if he was kind to his mom, if he liked dogs. But what we do know about this man is this. When God spoke, Joseph responded immediately and obediently. There's not one hint that he ever questioned God not one debate debate over God's commands. God says, take Mary to be your wife. He marries her immediately. Give the baby the name Jesus, and his name is Jesus. Go to Egypt, and he leaves immediately. Go back to Nazareth. Jesus grows up in Nazareth. Like I said, we don't know all that much about Joseph, but there is enough evidence to see why it was that God could trust him Jesus says, years after his earthly father dies, he says, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. I wonder, did Joseph teach his son that? Who knows, right? But what we do know is that he modeled that for Jesus. Joseph, just like you and I, had one shot at this life. It's my guess that this was not the life that Joseph would have dreamed up. But nevertheless, he lays it down. All his hopes and dreams, and lives his one life in surrender to God's plan. A man who will run after his dreams and his wants will one day lose it all. Everything he acquired will be left to somebody else. But a man who lays it all down for Jesus and lives the life that Jesus desires, well, he gets to take that with him into eternity. Here's what I like about Joseph he was humble, he was willing to lay down his own life his one shot for God's plan. He was merciful. He looked to cover the sin of another, even when it broke his own heart. And when it came to obedience, he was quick. God's way was more than just an option for him to consider. He would choose God and God's ways over everything else. No man in his right mind would ask for that job. That's a huge responsibility to raise the son of God. But I do hope that I am not the only one who desires to have the character to be considered for big jobs assigned by God. I wish that God would see in me a man that he could use to accomplish great things for his kingdom. Now I've thought about Joseph and his life and his role for a long time, and only recently did it hit me that just like Joseph, you and I have been entrusted with a son of God too. Every day I have the opportunity to share Jesus His story, his plan for our salvation, his love for those that I encounter. What an honor and privilege, and what a responsibility it is to share with the lost world the love of God displayed to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you're thinking that there's no way that God could use you. I've messed up way too many times, you might say. I don't have what it takes. And here's two things I want to finish with. First, God can and does draw straight lines with crooked sticks. And I am thankful he chooses to, because there's not one of us that are good enough to be trusted with such a great gift. And two, remember, God is not asking for you to be qualified. He will do the qualifying. You need to present yourself to him and be obedient when he speaks. Remember King David? If you listen to my podcast long enough, you're going to find out that he's definitely one of those heroes of mine. But David missed the mark in some major, major ways. David was not qualified to lead a nation. And he has many mess ups, almost as many as good moments that he has. But here's what God says about David God says, I have found favor in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do my will. God's eyes are still scanning the earth, looking for a man or woman who, like Joseph, is sold out to him and will lay it all on the line for him. Somebody who will lay down their life and offer Jesus to live through them. The world will never be the same because of people who choose to do that. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for the story of Joseph. Yes, there is so much that we desire to still know about him, but we know that we have seen enough for now. And the story of Joseph isn't even about Joseph, it's about you and what you desire to do. We know that you want to bless this world. You desire to have the light of your goodness shown to everyone, and you will use anyone willing to let you live through them. The greatest proof of your love towards us is still the gift of Jesus and what his life accomplished on our behalf, and we are eternally grateful for him. Help us to see our world as it is, deeply in need of Jesus. Empower us to take the responsibility that you give us as believers to share this message of your love for us. Help us to take that to those who need it. We adore you, Father. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen rob bell once said may you be covered in the dust of your rabbi may you be following him so close that the dust kicked up from his feet lands on your clothes my prayer is that you follow him that close and that you understand that he adores you that he loves you he delights himself in. until we meet again god bless you